Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Yee. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s. We grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play, play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. And now, and now, it's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal, because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees, and Aaron Savage. Oh yeah! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Savage. With me, as always, my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Jason Voorhees. Yeah, man. And uh, it's been a few weeks since we've spoken to you guys. Jason and I had a lot going on in life, so um, had to take a little hiatus from the show. But we're back. And you know what, man? <laughs> Maybe it was a good thing we took a break because we have more than ever to talk about. Um, since we last spoke, uh, the Heat. And the Lakers are in the NBA Finals. The NHL completed their bubble season with no COVID cases. Tampa Bay Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions. MLB is in their playoffs. We're just getting through the wild card. We're about to start the DS series. Um, After some early COVID problems with the Marlins outbreak and the Cardinals, uh, stemmed from the Marlins breaking protocol. Some of their players went out on the town. And that leads us to the current situation and perhaps the biggest story in sports, the National Football League. Since we last spoke, the National Football League has gotten underway. Um, first couple weeks kind of went off without a hitch. And, Jay, the shit is fucking hitting the fan now <laughs> with the COVID. Uh, yeah. We got the Titans had an outbreak. Um, I, I was uh, Obviously, we all know the Raiders broke protocol. They um, did like a meet and greet with fans without masks. I know they had an unauthorized uh, person in their locker room. I think Jay Gruden was fined for not wearing a mask, or John Gruden, I should say. A um, lot going on, and that was last week, well, during this week that happened. So the Titans game um, against the Steelers had to be postponed, which I believe now has been announced that they're going to play that in week seven. And then just today, as we're recording on Saturday, uh, October 3rd, Cam Newton, the latest victim of COVID. Um, and obviously that's going to probably have a lot of fallout Patriots and I'm hearing the chiefs may have some cases. Um, so dude, no Patriots chiefs this week. What do you think about everything going on, Jay? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that we've both talked about at length, uh, you know, off of the show, uh, you know, and it's, it's something that obviously pretty much everybody was, you know, wondering, how soon this would would come about i mean it's only a matter of time i mean obviously you know you looked at baseball and obviously it did have a few teams that yeah the cardinals the marlins uh, i think there was a couple other teams affected i knew the phillies were affected early in the season it was all early though it was yeah. All early. yeah um but but i i think the, the the major point you know that you have to look at other than just you know, cases coming about because we, we know they're going to come about. 
However, I think the, 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 the bigger question is, is why are they coming about? And I know you had a lot to talk about and, you know, wanted to say about, you know, as far as protocol. So why don't you, well, uh, why don't you take well, over? I mean, I, I guess, obviously we don't know every detail about everybody's personal life. And the bottom line is we all know you can't get COVID unless you're in contact with somebody that has COVID. We saw the NBA and the NHL very successfully complete their seasons with no incidents of COVID. Now, granted, they played in bubble situations, which they were able to do because the sports, by the nature of the games, are indoors, you know, smaller venues. And they were able to have, like, the NBA, everybody was in Orlando and everybody was in Canada for the NHL. Um, and wh- wherever they were, I can't recall right now. But with obviously with MLB and the NFL, it's, it's a little bit different because the fields are much bigger where they have to play. It's outdoors. There's a lot more personnel, especially in the NFL, as far as the personnel that are involved in the day-to-day game and practice sessions. Um, but the bottom line is, if you don't, if whether or not you're in a bubble like the NBA or the NHL, if you're following the, the protocols that were put in place, MLB has proven it can be successful. After the early incidents that took place in MLB, it was like they learned their lesson. There's been no COVID cases, and they've gotten through their season. That's my point. I mean, obviously, they're traveling city to city. I get it. There's a lot There's a lot of risk inherent in just the difference of the way MLB and, and, and NFL have to play their seasons versus NBA and NHL. But what we've seen from MLB's example is that if you follow the protocols, you can eliminate the concerns for the most part. You can't get COVID unless you're in contact with somebody from COVID. So clearly what's going on, we knew the Marlins, some of their players broke protocol and went out at night, you know, and they brought it back and then they spread it to the Cardinals. And and that and then I guess the Cardinals played whomever and somehow got to the Phillies. And I remember the Yankees were concerned. I can't remember every detail going back that far, two months. But bottom line is the Titans, had somebody had to break protocol. It, because if you're only around the players and the, and the trainers on, on your team and you're only going to these specified locations, it's basically a proverbial bubble. You know what I mean? somebody's leaving the proverbial bubble to bring COVID back. And it's, it's a shame because they, they, how do they not know? How do they not know? I mean, I, I, I'm just pissed off that it could happen. We knew it was going to happen because NFL players in general just aren't that disciplined. There's a lot of problems every season with undisciplined players, you know, whether it's gun violence out in the bars, out in the clubs, whatever. But I mean, for four or five months, just locked down, you're getting paid millions of dollars. You're set up in luxury five-star hotels with personal chefs. Live in the dream. Just stay put. Don't put yourself at risk. It's not worth it. The, the more this goes down now, now you got the Chiefs-Patriots games canceled. You got the Titans-Steelers situation. We don't know the fallout because of, of, of teams that they played and who was around who. This could end up putting the season in jeopardy, dude. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and – the one thing, too, about the NFL that's a little bit different than the other sports inherently is that, you know, these guys are in much closer contact for the most part than the other sports. I mean, just 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 for example, like, you know, offensive and defensive linemen, they're like breathing, breathing in each other's faces. So you're talking like if somebody on that line has COVID, you literally could knock out 22 22- <laughs> 
He was like breathing right in his face. 22 you know? people in, in one shot because you figure if, if you passed it to the lineman and then the receivers are, are you know, and you're going through that air. Because as, as, as we said, we don't know, but scientifically they're saying that, you know, it can be, you know, it can, you know, stay in the air for, for you know, even well, not if it's even 30 if it seconds. in the air or not, you're basically breathing directly in somebody's yeah. face. But, I, but, but, but the point I'm making is, is it, like, this sport is a lot, you know, like I said, there's much more close contact. So it could actually have more of a ripple effect quickly than that the That is other very sport. true. And, but, and I'm not well, saying – Protocol is what I'm saying, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're, what you're saying is 100% true. The problem with the NFL is if somebody breaks protocol and puts themselves at risk, they leave the hotel that they're not supposed to leave, and they go and they talk to people that they're not supposed to talk to outside of the confines of the hotel, and they and they they get they contract COVID from a stranger, and then they bring it back to the facility. Now it's a problem. It's exactly what you just said. Now the linemen are face to face, breathing in each other's faces. But the point that I'm making is. If you don't break protocol, you can't spread it. Like you can't get COVID from somebody that doesn't have COVID. So my problem with the NFL is be responsible. That's it. Something like why, why are the Raiders having meet and greets with no masks on, knowing what's at stake? Because yes, what you're saying is true. Once you've broken the protocol and you've brought the COVID into the facility, now. It's just like wildfire. It's like it's it's like the elderly in the nursing homes more than any other sport. But I guess my point that I'm making is, if you don't break the protocol, then you have no more risk than MLB or anybody else, because you could breathe in my face all day if you don't have coronavirus. I'm not going to get it. You know, I guess that's my point. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, you're 100 percent right. <laughs> I, I I guess you know the bottom line is exactly what you said. If the players aren't going to be responsible, then we're going to have a problem with the sport. I mean, that's the bottom line. Either A, they get their head out of their ass, and like you said, like baseball did, learn from your mistake. So other teams need to say, you know what? Look what happened here. We don't want that to be us. You know, let's get in line, or else you're not going to have a season. I mean, that's the bottom line. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, You know, in other news, we did talk about MLB. They got through their season pretty much. I mean, now we're in the postseason. And let's go back to something we talked about in our first couple of shows, what our concern was with the 60-game season and what it was going to look like and how the playoffs were going to be. Well, here we are, dude. Those very Marlins that started the initial COVID outbreak that had like 15 of their games postponed, they ended up miraculously making up most of those games, if not all. I'd have to double-check, but got the games made up. Credit to the MLB to get that accomplished. But crazily enough, the Marlins are advancing to the division series uh, they just won the wild card series that they played against the Cubs. Uh, there's a realistic shot that the Marlins could win the World Series in this whacked out season. And an amazing statistic remains about the Marlins, Jay. This is a team that has never won a division title, has two world championships, and has never lost a postseason series. So just by the nature of the Marlins' history, that's my pick to win the World Series, dude. Every time they go, they don't lose a postseason series, and they're always a massive underdog with a bunch of no names. <laughs> it's, but dude, it's crazy. This is a sixty-game season. This is what you get. This is what you signed up for, dude. You got the Nationals and the Mets tied for last place. The Phillies just ahead of them. All three of those Eastern Division teams out of the playoffs. Nationals are the world world champs. Bottom line is, we talked about this. The Nationals were like twenty games under five hundred 
I might be exaggerating. I don't remember that. It was 15, 20 games under 500 after 60 games last season. Ended up winning the World Series. 60 games is just nothing in baseball, dude. Like, it's nothing. That, that If this was a regular season, we would have been just getting out of May after 60 games. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, like you said, you'll take the 60 games over no baseball. I know, I know. But, it's but, in the it's scheme, but in the scheme of things, Yes, I mean, it's been wacky, you know, all the way around. I mean, uh, you know, obviously you're a Mets fan. I'm a Phillies fan. Both of our teams are really disappointing. Um, I I mean, to to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, and then not only do you have the Marlins, then you got the other team in the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays. So you look at those two teams and their payrolls, and then you look at the Phillies and, and Nationals yeah. and the Mets and their payrolls. And, In fairness, though, the Rays are generally a good team. Yes, but they might have been there but anyway. You still look but. at their payroll. Point I'm making yeah. is is that you got some of these teams. You know, how bad did you really have to be this year to not make the playoffs when they added playoff teams? I mean that that's that's the pathetic. And part, that's another yeah. and that and that that's what's frustrating to me as a Phillies fan. And, and not to mention that. that down 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 the line. At the end of the end of the season, when the Phillies had a chance to get in, they lost uh, yep. six of seven to the Marlins, and then they lost three of four to the Tampa. Yeah, so, very similar situation to the Mets, dude. They, they both of these teams had destiny in their hands. Just go out and win some ball games, and neither one of them could do it. So, in that sense, they didn't deserve it. But at the same time, like I said, I mean, you're talking a sixty-game season. Sometimes a team starts getting hot when the weather gets hot. You know what I mean? That's just the nature of baseball. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So it's definitely an interesting season. Yeah. And now with everything going on in the NFL, dude, who knows what the hell we're in for, bro? Well, <laughs> it's I, a wild ride. Wild ride. Yeah, I, I, I did want to mention uh, we, we did lose a uh, very important figure from baseball. Absolutely. I was going to bring that up. And, yep. uh, you know, may he rest in peace. That guy's a legend. And and it's amazing yep. because when, when you look at Bob Gibson, He's like the antithesis of exactly what we were talking about, of the frustrations that we have with pitching today. Like, he yep. was the opposite. He's the guy that went, you know, 22 complete games and won 22 games. And, you know, yeah, I did. We did a whole podcast on Tom Seaver. We could do a podcast on, on Bob, Bob Gibson. Gibson just the same. The man's an absolute legend. He's old school, pitched inside. You know, I bet you the first thing that's going to happen to him when he gets to heaven is all these guys are going to be trying to hit him with a pitch. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, talk about an intimidating figure. I'm teasing, but no, I mean, he was, a Oh, that's one guy crazy. I wouldn't want to face. Yeah. I, I think if no. there's any, you, you look up and down the line, those are two guys, Tom Seaver and Bob Gibson. They're two guys. Uh, yeah. I, would I mean, I, when I think of one, I think of the other to me, I, I just do. And that, in that era, I mean, they were in the same era. Um, Bob Gibson's 1.12 ERA in 68 is probably single-handedly the reason that they lowered the pitcher's mound five inches after the 68 season, because that was the year of the pitcher. I mean, Bob Gibson was just absolutely dominant. So rest in peace, Bob Gibson. Yeah, it's a sad loss, dude. Very sad loss. Um, uh, I know you were talking about um, – there, there was something else you were talking about. I can't remember what it was right now. <laughs> I thought you hate that. I hate when I have brain farts. <laughs> I just had a brain fart. But uh, anyway, needless to say, what do you think? Um, obviously, we're taking a little different approach this week. We're going to not take a break. Um, what do you think we uh, 
drop out our picks of the week, dude, because I'm excited about mine. Uh, sounds like a great idea. All right, let's do it, brother. Um, my pick of the week is a book, which I've done before, and I'm, I'm going to admit to you, I have not yet read the book because I just bought it. But it's still my pick of the week because I've been waiting for it. Um, just been busy with work, so I haven't had a chance to read it. But I think everybody should pick this book up. And I know, Jay, you're going to be 100% with me. But it's Rob Halford's new book, Confessions. Um, I just grabbed it. Um, it you know, obviously, Rob's had an amazing life in metal. Um, you know, obviously, being a gay heavy metal star you know, makes him unique and really kind of revolutionary. So I'm very interested to just read about his trials and tribulations in the book, you know, his battles with alcoholism and drugs and relationships and, you know, where he's, how he's become the man he is today. So I, like I said, admittedly, I haven't read the book yet, but I was super excited to talk about it and announce that it's out. I think everybody needs to pick this book up and over the next couple of weeks, I'll be letting you know what I think of it, man, as I'm reading. So well, that's, that's my pick. awesome pick of the week. And I actually <laughs> picked it up probably before you because i think i, I think it you did at uh like 1 a.m when it was released on you uh, did yeah on amazon on amazon yeah yeah <laughs> but uh at any rate uh well i know i i know my picks of the week are generally you know you know something that you like and this is going to be no different so uh without further ado my pick of the week is actually the Here Comes the Brides album by the band Brides of Destruction. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice obscure pick. Uh, yeah. Those that aren't as diehard as us. So yeah. this this is an absolute gem uh, if you haven't heard it. So for those of you that don't know, Brides of Destruction was a super group. Uh, it was actually formed by Nikki Six from Motley Crue and Tracy Guns. Uh, yep. band was actually originally called Cockstar. Uh, before they decided to change it, because I guess there was uh, some uh, differences of opinion, so they changed it to Brides of Destruction. Yeah, it, I don't think uh, I don't think your Walmart's gonna yeah, be carrying the. It was called. Yeah, if it was Cockstar, <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I agree. Uh, not that they, you know that the album did really well as far as sales, but anyway, uh, the album featured uh, on vocals. It was London Legrand. Obviously, Tracy Guns was uh, on lead guitar and back vocals. Uh, Nikki Six on bass, Scott Coogan on drums, and then it was also Chris Coles. They actually had two drummers that played on on the on the record, and then John Karabi was on rhythm guitar. So uh, it was actually produced by a Grammy Award uh, winner producer Steve Thompson, and uh, released on Sanctuary Records. But at any rate. I'm here to tell you that this is a straight-up, in-your-face, kick-ass record. Totally underrated and under the radar. Like Aaron said, it's very obscure. Uh, however, if you're a fan of old-school rock and roll with that heavy punk influence, then this is definitely going to be one of your albums. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go down, up and down every track, but the first track, which actually coincidentally was the only uh, single to be released on the album, it's called Shut the Fuck Up. Um, obviously, uh, it, the track was edited for radio, but it still got zero airplay. Uh, however, it doesn't take away from how great the song is. It's filthy, sleazy, and dirty, and it's rotten to the core. Um, I kind of think it's it sounds somewhat similar to the Generation Swine uh, style um, 
from the Motley Crue record. But I would say that this song is actually better than any of the tracks on that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's insulting the song. I'm sorry, dude. I had to. That's, that's, dude, that's okay. It's it's so much heavier than that. I, I it's I know what you mean. It's from that era, but dude, it's sounded like that style. But my point dude, is, it's not the style. It's not industrial. I guess the the production maybe a little bit. But dude, it's so much heavier. But dude, I actually remember them doing a live version of that song on like maybe Jay Leno or something. You YouTube it. I, you could find it. Uh, but yeah, it was actually pretty kick-ass. But well, go on. Well, no. I, <laughs> anyway, like I said, it it's definitely uh, you know obviously the title of the song. Uh, if that doesn't get you, then I don't know what will. Uh, but the the second track, I don't care. That's actually even better in my opinion, and that one actually reminds me of Guns N' Roses. I, I'm sure you're going to agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I could. It has that. like uh, you know all those elements. It has. It almost has like that Duff like sound. I don't care what I gotta do to love you. It reminds me of like your Duff could sing it's it. De- you know and it's I mean? definitely, you know, r- you know, raunchy and punk. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's some other highlights. Uh, I got a gun, which that's kind of it follows like a more mid-tempo mix. Uh, totally John Karabi vibe on that. Definitely. About that. Yeah. Uh, two times dead, which uh, that's base. That's another. That's another one that reminds me of Guns N' Roses. Um. Okay. But my two favorite tracks on the on the record are "Brace Yourself" and "Life." Uh, "Life" actually featured Scott Coogan on lead vocals, so it was a different vocalist. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, and "Brace Yourself" that's got that you know catchy chorus and a great solo. Extremely uh, good songwriting. Here's the one that I know that you 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 have to like it. "Natural What's- Born Killer." Love it. I, lo- I love every and, track. And you know it. what Natural Born Killer reminds me of? And I and maybe you'll agree, or you might disagree like you do a lot, but it reminds me of Buck Cherry. It's, it's got, like, the punky attitude, but it has that party vibe. And that's I Buck Cherry to me. I, I Honestly, you just made a great point. To me, the record is almost like a mishmash <laughs> of, like, L.A. Guns, Buck Cherry, uh, maybe a little bit of that Generation Swinish crew. I think I got a gun has more of a generation swine vibe than um um shut the fuck up and not, not in a bad way. I just think like the chorus is, I mean the verses it's got a little industrial sound, and, and you know it's it almost I, you know, I don't know if you mentioned it but John Karabi co-wrote a lot of that record, and um I wouldn't be surprised if he co-wrote I got a gun with with them when they were working on the follow up to uh the self titled crew record. I I. I'm throwing that out there. I have no idea if that's well, true. Well, it could be true, but it, it definitely, sounds like definitely had sounds a lot like of these... something Karabi would have wrote when they were working on the Generation Swine record before they brought Vince back into the fold. In my opinion, in my humble opinion, that's what I got a gun kind of sounds like to me. You know, no, I agree, and I, I, you know, you're right. He he had a lot of influence on on the songwriting. So yeah, yeah. I think you know you hit a you hit a great point there. Yeah, so I, I I think you made a good point too. It's definitely a mishmash of like Karabi, Buck Cherry, all these different sounds are kind of like mishmashed into the record. Yeah, because I love Buck Cherry, and when I heard that song, it was like, oh my god! When, when I went back to it and I was listening to the record again, it, you know, I was like, yeah. wow, that, that's that's totally Buck Cherry. Like, yeah, see it, see it. It's got like that party yep. vibe, but it but it has, mm-hmm. you know, the way uh, the you know London sings it. It's like he, it's almost sounds like, uh, you know, you know the Buck Cherry. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I, you know, anyway, I, I don't want to keep going with every track. But like I said, to me, this is one of those records that 
you know, had it been released by like a Molly Crew or Ellie Guns, it probably would have been five times platinum. It's just a phenomenal record that gets no, you know, no, uh, you know, no one. No, it's, it's it's definitely it's definitely underground. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're like metalheads. We're fans of Tracy <laughs> Guns. We're fans of Nikki Six, and there's a lot of others like us that knew knew about the record. But outside of that circle, not many people did. And it, it, I and dude, we, we didn't even mention the the uh, final track. You'll you'll only get so far. The ballad at the end. Yeah, which I was actually uh, actually written for originally for Tim McGraw on Faith Hill. But then, I did not know that. I did not. Yes, know but that. then Nikki Six decided to use it himself. Nikki Six wrote it. And it, he yeah. originally wrote it for them to do as a duo, and then sure. he decided, "I want to put this on my record." And, uh, I did not know that. That's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's very similar to um, "If I Die Tomorrow," the Motley Crue track that they released on the Red, White, and Crew compilation. Nikki had actually written that. Remember "Simple Plan," that pop pop. Yeah, it was band? for them, right? Yeah, he wrote for them. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I did not know that. Dude, I love your pick of the week, Jay. Love it. Well, that's my pick of the week. Here comes the Brides by the supergroup Brides of Destruction. While you're at it, check out their other album, Runaway Brides, although you won't hear Nikki Six or Karabi on that one. But Yeah, yeah, Nikki's gone. Oh, I, I like that a lot, dude. Yes. Uh, Dime, what is it? What's the, what's the Dimes in Heaven, Dime, that's the last track. Dimes in Heaven, dedicated to Dimebag Daryl. Yep, on the, on the follow-up, Runaway Brides. Excellent song, dude. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Anyway, before we uh, wrap this show up, Jay, I know you were pissed off about the Eagles. <laughs> uh, Should I get you started? You, uh, you didn't have. To, I didn't know you were going to bring it up. <laughs> oh, let me, let me. Uh, should I? Do I am it? just uh, frustrated. Yeah, I'll I mean, I, I don't yeah. like to. You know, I, 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 I told you before, and you, you, you said it. We, we don't want to really make this kind of a local, you know, our fan, fan favorite thing. However, I think sometimes it's appropriate, and you know, just, well, and you're an Eagles fan. Just, you're an Eagles, and just like you, you know, you've brought your frustrations in about the Mets. Well, I, I have a of couple course. frustrations uh, with the Eagles right now, and you know, obviously, let you know, it's it's no secret that Carson Wentz is struggling. Um, at, you know, as the Eagles' quarterback, and, and you know, and I and I'm not going to sit here and and tell you that Carson Wentz is not the problem because. He's obviously having a bad season, really, really bad. I mean, he's not, he's making mistakes. He's not going through his progressions. He looks lost, but I'm not, I'm, I'm going to tell you that this, the blame deserves to be put on Howie Roseman. The main problem that this Eagles team has is lack of depth. They have no, farm team their team is absolutely abysmal right now this team is light years away from 2017 and it starts at the top with Howie Roseman I mean first and foremost kudos to them kudos to him for getting this team its first Super Bowl in 2017 however just like Chris Long said on the podcast the other day that year was lightning in a bottle, flash in a pan. If you truly look at this team from top to bottom, the roster's just not that good. And that's Howie Roseman's fault. Piss poor drafting. You look at the Eagles' drafts the last five seasons. They have maybe two good players out of all of those draft picks. 
Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard. That's it. It's ridiculous, man. It is absolutely ridiculous. And to put all the blame on Carson Wentz is 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 even is even more of a travesty. Look at their wide receivers, Aaron. Look at the Eagles' <laughs> wide receivers. Okay, I, I agree. They've had Deshaun Jackson a total of five games out of twenty games. Five. They've had Alshon Jeffrey a total of ten out of twenty games, and that's it. He's played with twenty different receivers. Ten of them are out of the league, and between four of the other ones, they've caught twenty-five passes between them. Okay, the team around Carson Wentz is terrible. So yes, Carson Wentz is not playing well. However, you can look around the league and look at some of the other quarterbacks that are, you know, in his in his realm. You know, the young guys like Kyler Murray. You look at all these quarterbacks. Yeah, look how they're doing well now when they were given a weapon. You give Kyler Murray DeAndre Hopkins, and he goes from being average to a superstar. Okay? Yeah, I could, I could I, go down the list. I mean, you make good points, but it, your argument, because I know you're a Wentz guy, raises a great No, argument. I'm not a Wentz guy. I'm going to tell you, I'm not. Okay, okay. I'm just saying, but the way you're raising the argument, there's a huge segment of the fan, Eagles fan base that still wants Nick Foles there. Listen. I don't think it would matter if Nick Foles was there right now. This team is inept. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Look at the. It's just it's interesting. It's ironic that Nick Foles just stepped into to the Chicago Bears quarterback situation mid game for Mitchell Trubinsky and scored what twenty eight points in two in two quarters. Yeah, and it's almost like it's almost like he's back in the, with the Eagles, except in Chicago. Just the way it's poetic with this guy. You look at Nick Foles' career numbers; they're nothing to write home about. But it just seems like he always seems to step into certain situations at a certain time. And it just it's just a bad look right now with the way the Eagles are struggling the way and the way Wentz is playing. I, no, and I agree, but I but I'm telling you, if you and and I know that you're an outside you're on the outside looking in, but I know you you know you root for the Eagles when it's not Miami. I get it. And I know that you follow the Eagles, but you you don't see it day in and day out like I do. And I'm telling you that you have to be honest about this team. They're just not that good. It's not like the Eagles are like, you know, a borderline playoff team that's just struggling and, and Wentz is having a bad year. If you really look up and down their roster, Aaron, they're not that good. They're not I, I, I agree with they're you. They're not I, deep at all. And like I said, man, their drafts have been tur- the Eagles drafts may have been the worst in the NFL, Aaron, for for what they should have had. I mean, think about it. This team right now, this Eagles team right now, if they had drafted right, could be DK Metcalf, Jalen Rager, and then they could have traded and got DeAndre Hopkins. Could you imagine those three receivers playing for Wentz as opposed to Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, and Jajal, who sucks? Mind you, he was a second-round pick. A second-round pick, Aaron. I don't care if – I don't expect a second-round wide receiver to be – you know, Devontae Adams, like Green Bay. But I do expect a second-round wide receiver to get on the field. This guy hasn't got on the field in two years. Dude, I'm with you. Dude, I'm and then, fan. to boot, they drafted Jalen Hurts with the second-round pick this year. Now, okay, I get it. You needed a backup quarterback, but you had 20 other holes on this team that, could, that you could have fixed. You have no linebackers. Nate Gary 
is their linebacker, their starting linebacker, Aaron, Nate Gary. <laughs> Who? Nate Gary. He sucks. I love I love hearing you go off. Because like I'm this. pissed. I'm pissed. <laughs> and you know what? The Phillies got rid of Matt Klentek today. And I'm here to tell you that the Eagles need to get rid of Howie Roseman. I don't care about the Super Bowl. It's over. They won. That was in the past. And I'm telling you, if you get a chance, listen to Chris Long's podcast. Chris Long. I, I, yeah, I will. Chris Long. I, I don't disagree. I, listen, I don't disagree with you. Every, everybody's got Chris Long. Time, time Chris off. Long was on that team, Aaron. So he knows more than anybody. And he, yeah. this, his three main points. There's three points that he made. A, every free agent that year that that Roseman signed overperformed. Like so, he he basically every free agent he signed, he hit on. That's 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 like not the norm. That's an outlier. Okay. Number two, the Eagles had Frank Reich and John D. Filippo. Okay, who are no longer here. And guess who were two of the biggest supporters of Carson Wentz? And guess who Carson Wentz played best under? Those two guys. Take yeah, them away, and now look at Carson Wentz. And I'm telling you, it, a lot of times it is coaching. You can, you can look at a lot of sports, and you can look at – there's plenty of, you know, plenty of examples, whether it's baseball, hockey, football, basketball, where – you had star players that struggled under certain coaching, changed the coach around, and all of a sudden their their, their career flipped. It happens well, all the time, Aaron. And I'm gonna end the show. I'm gonna end the show like this. To your point, it could be worse. Carson Wentz could be Sam Darnold, <laughs> and your coach could be Adam Gates. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap it up uh, with that. All right, Jay. As always, it's been a great show. Um, awesome. Hopefully we can get back to it on schedule for next week. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Rock on. Peace out. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more sports and metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Ooh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at sportsandmetal0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at sportsandmetal.